This is a quick timeout podcast, and I am Coach Tony Miller. For many of us, the season is already underway, and as coaches, we often get bogged down in all the statistics that our teams are producing. At times, it can cause us to get distracted by things that may not necessarily be important factors to winning. That's where today's topic comes in. Coach Randy Sherman is back with us this week talking this time about the four factors. If you're unfamiliar with the four factors, he'll explain those in the first few minutes of the episode. But if you're already aware of those factors, there's still some stuff for you. We spent about the last two-thirds of the conversation talking about how those factors should impact both your preparation as a coaching staff as well as your practices throughout the season. Before we get started, I need to thank our friends at 323 Sports for sponsoring the episode. If you're in need of a last-minute order or planning for another upcoming sports season, these are your guys. They can get you what you need in time for the season. Just shoot them an email, whether it's uniform orders, basketball, scorebooks. These guys will set you up. To contact Mike, Keith, and the team, visit 323sports.com. Now, here's my talk with Coach Randy Sherman. Excited to have Coach Randy Sherman of Radius Athletics back on the show. Coach, before we dive into our main topic, I know that you work with a lot of coaches through your mentorship program. And here at the beginning of the season, just the maybe one or two pieces of advice that you feel like you're repeating a lot to coaches. The advice I repeat most often to coaches this time of year is, is to keep it simple, to view the season, the upcoming season, like a, like a hike like a hike up a steep mountain or a hill. You don't want to carry too much cargo, right? Or um, if you're, uh, you want to travel light so you can travel fast. If you carry a bunch of cargo on the hike up the hill, it's going to slow you down. You won't make it to the top. So just to keep it simple and just take only what you need, implement only what you need, nothing more. Keep, keep things simple and don't, don't overburden your journey. If I could summarize what you do in one sentence, I mean, even from that little bit that you just gave us there, it, it's helping coaches keep the main thing, the main thing. And, and that's essentially what I want to discuss today. Um, before we get into the specifics of the, the four factors, which is the main topic, can you talk about the stat that you had from last year's NCAA tournament related to all of that? Yeah. I mean, basically the idea for me and related to the NCAA tournament was a couple years ago, I was just sort of looking for an idea that would engage coaches, you know, during a time where all of our eyes are on basketball as fans, but for the coaching population, we're watching the certain teams and what they do and different strategies and tactics. And um, I was just kind of looking for a way to engage coaches on a, on a non X's and O's level that, that might be educational and learning and kind of fun to make observations together. So what I did is I started tracking the four factors. And again, the four factors, I didn't come up with them. The, 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 they came from a book called Basketball on Paper, written by Dean Oliver, who now works for the Washington Wizards, but for years was a basketball analytics, uh, I guess you could say, observer or analyst. And, and uh, what I thought I would might be a great idea is to look at, the, look at these tournaments that's ultimately going to lead to a champion going to lead to four teams being really happy about making the final four, one team really happy about the way they end their season and just watch which factors uh, went out in most of these games. And so I just started looking at, you know, box scores after each game and looking at who won the four factors and just reporting, no, no editorializing, just reporting when teams won this factor, they won this amount of times and lost this amount of times. Um, so I just tracked it. I've tracked it over the past two 
men's tournaments. That's how it all started. I would say, you know, to, to summarize what the four factors are, effective field goal percentage, turnover percentage, offensive rebounding percentage, and the free throw factor. In last year's tournament, the teams that won effective field goal percentage finished 54 and 13, 68, 67 games in the tournament. The teams that won turnover percentage finished 41 and 26. The teams that won offensive rebounding percentage finished 38 and 29. The teams that won the free throw factor finished 39 and 28. So that's sort of a summary of the four factor data from last year's tournament. If we go back two years to 2018, it looks really similar. Let me find that. That would be 53 and 10 for effective field goal percentage. 34 and 29 for for turnover percentage, 34 and 29 for offensive rebounding percentage, and 37 and 26 for the free throw factor. So plus or minus a game or two, like the the trend is roughly the same over the past two years that I've been looking at at the the numbers. Was there ever a point where if you won multiple areas, uh, you know, two or three of those, that it was kind of an automatic lock that you were going to win the game? Absolutely. The two, fa- and that's a great question because what I began to do is sort of, you know, as the, the tournament goes on for three weeks, you know, it's like, okay, let's, I've got some time between this weekend's games and next, like what, what observations can I pull from the numbers? And I began to look at combinations, like when a team wins two factors, three factors, four factors, you know, how often do they win? What combinations of factors lead to, like you said, near certainty of win, winning. And in the, let's see, in 2018, I believe, um, I know in 2019, teams that won both, there were 28 games in which a team won both effective field goal percentage and turnover percentage. They finished 28-0. So the, that 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 was the strongest combination of, of two-factor combinations. But basically, just to sum it up, you win effective field goal percentage plus another factor, your, your, your odds are great. <laughs> But when it's when it's effective field goal percentage plus turnover percentage in the past two tournaments, I think it's been like 27 and one and 28 no or something to that effect. I know last year's was 28 no. There's a variety of coaches who listen to these, and some may already be aware of the four factors, others may not. Uh, can you just kind of go through and explain each of those factors? Sure. Effective field goal percentage would be call it an improvement upon just raw field goal percentage, the raw field goal percentage stat in that it accounts for the fact that, you know, three, a three point, three point shot is, is worth greater than a two point shot. So the formula for it would, would, would kind of grasp the increased output of making a three. Um, the turnover percentage is simply the percentage of your possessions that ended in a turnover. So if you got, 100 possessions and you had you had 10 turnovers you got a 10 percent turnover percentage simply put just the number of possessions that end in a turnover the offensive rebounding percentage would be what percent of available rebounds also known as your misses do you rebound do you offensively rebound um, and the free throw factor you can i've seen that reported a couple different ways sometimes it's just free throws attempted over field goals attempted. I've also seen it 
reported free throws made over field goals attempted. It's just a way to compare how often you're getting to the line. I like to use free throws made over field goals attempted because it also measures how often not only you get to the line, but but that you also make make your free throws, right? So those that's 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 it in a nutshell. I want to make sure that coaches understand the implications of these statistics. So, so let me ask this. As you talk with coaches, do you ever find that some use these numbers as just kind of another stat with a single solution? So, for example, I look at my team's low effective field goal percentage and I think, you know, we need to shoot better. That can't be the pro- the thought process, though, right? On the surface level, that, that might be true, but it, it merits a closer look where, um, okay, Maybe we're getting open shots, but you know the pass that leads to the to the shot attempt was down around the guy's knees, and he didn't really get to shoot it in rhythm. Or maybe our shot distribution isn't isn't where it needs to be to uh, to optimize the efficiency of our possession. Yeah, so it's it it might be just as simple as hey, we got we created a lot of open shots, we just missed them, but there may be spacing implications. Uh, we weren't spaced and spread enough to really, um, you know, stretch the defense to to to, um, to that led to good shots, or or um, you know, it might be just hey, we just missed a bunch of shots. It was a bad night, right? But but it probably merits a closer look. Would you say that this is basically these four factors are giving you a snapshot of the things that we have found to be the most important things to winning? Is that accurate? Dean Oliver, the author of the book, who he would. He would say that, and it's based on statistical analysis of these stats, you know, most impact winning mm-hmm. and um, not not equally and not um, and not in, say, every single game. But when you back up and look at the reams of data that's ever been collected on basketball, you can make some generalities. And these these four factors correlate to, to winning and losing. We've had several analytics people on and. I don't want people getting the idea that you just do these things and you win games. Um, but, but like you said, it, it's really just a snapshot of in general. I mean, that's what statistics yeah. are. It's showing you the, the average of what happens over the course of a season. On average, if you do these things, then these results will happen. I, I get this question a lot. Coaches are always, we love to draw X's and O's and we like to track things. And the tracking is where you can sometimes get caught so much in the minutia of things that you've got all these numbers, but do the numbers actually correlate to you winning basketball games? Mm-hmm. Do people get lost? Do you find that the coaches get lost in those things? And we don't actually impact winning. We just end up with more numbers that we're looking at. Absolutely. And I think, I think over tracking is as big an issue as under tracking. You know, a lot of these, stats are really backward looking. They don't really aren't, aren't predictive. They look backwards at your performance. Like this is how you did last night. This is how you've done through your first 10 games. Uh, they have not, they have little to do with what would happen in the next game. They're just, they're, they're reporting the health of your, your possessions. You're making shots. You're not, you're not turning the ball over. You're, you're, you're rebounding the ball offensively and you're getting to the free throw line. The things that, basically basketball entails. So they're backward looking, not predictive to a degree. I mean, 
once you get enough sample size and you kind of like, you know, this is kind of what we are probably like, like if we're, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're 25 games in and we're probably going to be about like this, you know? So yeah, the over tracking thing, I've seen things like coaches tracking the number of passes in the game and, and uh, just it, a lot of that feels like red herrings that, that really um, don't, you know, tracking things that, that don't matter. Going back to when we were talking about winning these different factors and paying attention to what actually impacts winning, is Mm -hmm. it enough that we, as we look at these, so we've agreed that, okay, these are the things that matter. We're going to start tracking these. We just want to win these certain areas. Or am I aiming for like specific numbers as team goals? Is there an element of predictiveness to it that I say, like, if we get... You know, if we only turn the ball over 7% of our possessions, we're probably going to win the game. Or is that just something that it can't necessarily be predictive based off of the level of competition that you're playing against? I would say that the margins between your performances and each of those factors and, and your opponents is definitely what to pay attention to. Like you just gave an example if, if we turn the ball over 7% of the time, we're probably going to win the game. Well, what if our opponent only turned it over 3% of the time, mm-hmm. right? So ours was excellent. 7% is like unheard of excellent. But if it's not better than our opponent on that given night, then it, it wasn't excellent enough, right? So right. so the, the, the margins are where your attention should lie. It's not wrong per se to, to say, okay, Here's what we want to strive for, you know, 50% effective field goal percentage. We want to rebound a third of our misses. We, you know, th- there's nothing wrong with with that. But like in the heat of battle on the game night, you know, maybe you're having a bad shooting night, but you still want to win the game. So you need to step up your defense and, and you know, your defense has to come through for you to create the margin. And that's, that's really all that matters um, is that, you know, when I just reported the four factor stats from the tournament, I didn't look at, you know, if you won the effective field goal percentage by this much, you went 53 and 10. It was if you won it by 8% or 15%, you know, just win the factor would be my first piece of advice is just win the factor. Be, be just, just outperform your, your per- opponent in that, in those key indicators. So with effective field goal percentage, we want to pull it apart both ways. We want to have a great offense and a great defense. So we pull it apart the margin both ways we score they don't mm-hmm. with turnover percentage we want we want to protect the basketball when we have it and we want to take it from them when they do with you know free throw factor let's get to the line keep them off the line i'm always weighing how much of this kind of stuff to share with my players so that it doesn't become to the point of of it just being overload for them you know, it's the same thing when we talk about scouting reports. How much do I actually share with them? Do you feel like these are these four things are things that you regularly talk about with your team? Is it just something that you talk about with your coaching staff? Are these just the outcomes of what you emphasize in practice? All of the above. What are your opinions on that? Yeah, I think each coach might handle that different. Some coaches like to talk about, you know, really nitty gritty stuff like this and with their team, some, like you said, it's just, it just, if, if we play well, these factors, again, they're backward looking, like the teams that win them, win, they don't vary from, you know, so like if, if we do our job, if, if, if we play well and, and perform well, we'll, we'll, we will have won the factors. So I think it just, 
varies from coach to coach on how in the weeds they want to get with their players with that. I do think that it would be important for players to understand on a surface level, like how important, how important, let's say, you know, not turning the ball over is. Look, guys, when our turnover percentage is below this number, it's say below 15%, we're 18 and one, you know, that's not that hard for a player to understand. When we, you know, turn our opponent over greater than 15%, we're, we're 18 and one or whatever. So I, I think you can share it with them, but like really what, I think coaches, and this is coaches speaking to coaches, your audience, right? So, so what coaches should do would be, would be, or what coaches, what I predict coaches would be happy with if they did was build an offensive and defensive system that, that maximizes these factors, right? Our spacing should be that we, you know, we score at the rim or hit threes. If we're going to be like a compact, maybe a, a, a defensive team that doesn't really seek out turnovers, right? So we're not going to have an, a high opponent's turnover percentage. Then we probably on the offensive end need to make factors for that. We're not going to create a bunch of turnovers, so we can't commit them, right? If we're going to go crash the glass and try to get drive up that offensive rebounding factor, you know, we, we got to have something we're shooting for there. Um, if, if we don't have a great defensive rebounding team, you know, what are we going to do? How, how do we still manage to win the factor? So more in your thinking than maybe your players having to have like a, uh, an advanced level grasp of it. But I do think there's things that players can understand. I mean, it's very intuitive. Like basketball is not complicated. Mm-hmm. Teams win when they take the ball from their opponents, meaning they take the ball from their opponents without their opponent scoring, meaning they grab a defensive rebound or they force a turnover. Teams win when they keep a, keep the ball away from their opponents, meaning they avoid turnovers and they get an offensive rebound. We shot, missed, we rebounded it, we kept it away from you. Teams win when they convert possessions into points by shooting efficiently. And teams win when they convert from the free throw line. Like Players already know this. I get a lot of feedback from younger coaches who say that they listen to this. And, and the thing that I'm hearing is this is a perfect place for you to start when it comes to organizing your practices. I hope that as they listen to this, there's a lot of times where we hear good information like this. And then we sit down and we're like, okay, what drills do we run? Let's run uh, this drill that I like to do. I like to do, uh, you know, I like to run it when I was in high school. And if you actually look at what matters to winning and you look about what you just talked about, it should be pretty, theoretically, it should be pretty easy how you organize practice and the drills that you use, shouldn't it? I think so. <laughs> I, I I think so. You know, I was speaking in a, in a online with some of the coaches I work with this morning and just, just really helping coaches boil things down to, to what, what they really need for, for their team. Well, we've got to finish at the rim. We got to make our in, inside out threes. So there's, there's some starting points for your, your, your drill library, right? Like you could start there with, with more drills than you could ever think of, right? Finishing, making inside out threes, you know? So it, it, I think, I think approaching the job of coaching with, with some of the things we're beginning to learn about the game in terms of statistics is, would be a good starting point because they're, quasi truths right like they're 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 universal things that like this is what we know about the sport of basketball at this point it's data it's not 
It's not the tooth fairy. I, sometimes I'll get asked by a coach like, coach, do you believe in analytics? Like they're asking me about Santa Claus or, <laughs> or you know, like the equation for a th- the theory of, uh, you know, the equation for the area of a circle. Like, yeah, I believe in there's not a Santa Claus and I believe in that equation getting us the theory of a circle, right? So like I believe in things that are provable and knowable. Yes, I do. Did you ever track this kind of thing in practice or was it just for games? I personally didn't track it in practice, but I work with a lot of coaches who do. In fact, like a lot of the coaches I work with have been, you know, have have looked at this data. And, and again, the coaches I work with, we also do kind of something similar to what I did with the NCAA tournament. I have a big spreadsheet once a week or whenever they can update it. I ask them to enter your games, enter your four factors. The spreadsheet sort of calculates all of their data and, and what, again, what, what they've seen, again, I just provide the spreadsheet. I don't make any editorializing or anything like that. What, what the coaches have seen is, wow, shooting is very important. Mm -hmm. The teams that are making shots and have this 50% or higher effective field goal percentage, they're sitting there at the end of the year with a 24 and five record, 30 and seven. The teams that aren't are down here at the bottom, you know, below 500. That's really that simple. So, um, what they've seen is the, what, what the numbers have revealed to them is how important that, that shooting is. So what they've begun to do as a response to learning this is begin to like go big on tracking and getting their players in the gym and, and tracking shots. Um, so a lot of them do have data in like, say like raw, like, un, you know, maybe like just shooting on the, the doctor dish or the gun or, or just some partner shooting drills where it's just like getting up volumes of sort of uncontested or semi-contested shots. What I'll be interested in now that now that we're some of the coaches have started tracking practice performances would be to the slip it look at the slippage between their practice performance in the and the game. Mm-hmm. So like I had a coach tell me like my girls are shooting like fifty something percent beyond the arc in practice in their all their shooting drills. Like okay, that's great. What is what is but when the season starts, does that mean 30%, 29% when, when you're in live basketball? Mm-hmm. So that slippage is what I really want to look at next for the coaches who are tracking a lot of practice performances. And then of course, in like, if you were to film, if you were to film and, and go back and look at like scrimmage, you know, inter-squad scrimmage situations or live stuff, you can also look at the stats from that mm-hmm. and that probably would be more predictive than, than, you know, your shooting performances and say uncontested shooting on the Dr. Dish or the gun or something like that. Right. Yeah. I I ask because I think it's a great place to start uh, if you haven't done this already. Um, And and like you said, you're going to start seeing some correlation. The games aren't going to, you're not going to be mystified when the games are over and you're like, how in the world did we only shoot this? Well, it's going to be real obvious if you've been shooting that the entire week at practice. And again, I think I, one of the things that I'd hoped for this podcast to be was to give coaches some practical ideas of connecting these theories and connecting the analytics and the numbers to how they're designing practices, how they're teaching the game, how they're coaching things. And we've employed some of these, these stats and these, these factors into things. And it's, simplified how we've developed practice. And I actually believe that the players are benefiting from it. I think it makes, like you said, the game is, the game is simple. I mean, there are details to it, but it is simple, but I think we complicate it a lot of times. Absolutely. I would add that, you know, the idea 
of prioritization, the idea of everything matters is something you hear coaches like everything matters, you know, every, we gotta be, uh, yeah, but not equally. Right. <laughs> right. Everything does matter, but not equally. Right. So when I, when I first started tweeting out these four factors, dad, it was like the most eye opening thing I've done since I've been doing what I've been doing the past four years, sharing basketball information in the World Wide web. Right. Like coaches would, direct message me or like, like, like they were mad at me, <laughs> like really mad for just all I was doing was just saying, Hey, you win effective field goal percentage. The teams, there was eight games yesterday. The teams that won effective field goal percentage were six and two. That's all I said. Like I didn't say, so I didn't go. So you should, you know, but I just reported the data and like, it really, it really, I got some like heated messages. Like, what are you saying? You know, like, or rebounding's not important or what, like, you know, and, and I was like, Whoa, this, I'm not going to quit doing this because there's a real area. And, and I think this is what I think Tony is, is when, when you look at this is, this is the, the emotion that I think coaches feel. I look at the numbers. I'm, I'm smart enough. I have enough common sense to look at these numbers that Randy's tweeting out and going, okay, this is starting to look air quotes true, right? Then I go to my stats and my huddle or my crossover or my synergy numbers. And I go, okay, good teams do these. These are our numbers and holy crap, mm-hmm. there's a big space between us and good teams. Now I'm really mad mm-hmm. because I know I've now learned how far we have to go and how far we are from good. Yeah. And now I'm really mad. Yeah. But I would just, I don't know why you would look at it that way because, hey, whether we've got a mile to go or a hundred miles to go, at least I know now where we should be going. Right. Whether my journey is a step or a thousand steps, I know where we're going. We just got to do the work to get there. And like you said, there are so many things that are available now in these different platforms that coaches are using that it doesn't really take a lot of work to find this information. But I would encourage coaches to look at this over the course of this isn't just a one game and that tells the entire story. I mean, I I was working on this this morning with one of my uh, games that we played earlier in the year, and I think we won like three out of the four factors or it was close and we ended up losing the game. Yeah. It's something it that happens. you need to track over. Yeah. You need to track over time so that it tells you the story of what's going on. And hopefully then that will give you some direction. So as usual, a lot of information, this could probably go on forever, but before I let you go, is there anything related to either radius athletics that you have coming up or anything that you're offering this time of year that, that coaches maybe should be aware of that could, they could take advantage of? Yeah, as always, I'd, offer my my time and my eyes and ears and my thoughts so you know we have an ongoing sort of mentorship program that i'm happy to answer questions about if coaches want to want to join just reach out to me at randy at radiusathletics.com and you know that that's ongoing ongoing in season out of season yeah that's that's really it and um you know when the season starts as it is for most of my clients and the coaches I work with, the season's either just begun or about to begin. What what I do with coaches is just look at their practice plans, look at their film and look at their opponents and help them just get better. 
especially if you're a, a staff of one or have a smaller staff, st- uh, Randy can be a, a great asset for you and your program. So that's Randy Sherman of our Radius Athletics. Coach, thanks for coming on. I always enjoy talking with you. Yeah, I appreciate it, Tony. Thank you for uh, putting good conversations out for coaches to, to, to learn from. Just really quickly, if you haven't heard yet about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and other platforms so your show actually gets heard. You can even make money from your podcast, no matter the size of your audience. It really is everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That'll do it for this episode. Be sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already and share the podcast with your coaching friends to help us grow the game. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again at the next time out.